Let's open up to Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Began a new study in the book of Colossians last week, and uh, Paul the Apostle writing to this kind of unimportant place called Colossae, which was later destroyed by an earthquake and no longer there. But, but for Paul, it was very, very important. He wrote this incredible letter because the truth was being attacked. The, the truth was being challenged, and Paul wanted the truth to be established. He was contending for the faith, fighting for the faith, the truth of the faith. And I think I, I see it nowadays, too, that we need to fight for the, the truth and fight for the faith. I hear guys on the radio like Charles Swindoll and, and uh, John MacArthur who are talking about, you know, we got to get back to the Bible. we got to teach what the Word of God says. And we've, you know, we've gotten so far away from the, the, you know, the basis and the basics of the, of the Christian faith. And uh, it's kind of a scary thing. But uh, each of us needs to do what we can do. Error creeping into that church there. The people were adding stuff, you know, adding all kinds of little things, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and whatever, you know, you think it should be, add, go ahead and add it. And how did Paul fight it? The question is, he fought it by exalting Jesus, by exalting Christ and teaching the truth. And that's really what this book is all about. Some of the points we saw about the gospel, though, in the last section of, the, of uh, verses 1 through 8, where the gospel is, it's, it's the word of truth, found in verse 5. It's, it goes out into all the world, in verse 6. It grows and it bears fruit. Verse 6, it's all about grace, verse 6. Verse uh, 7, it goes from one person to another. In this case, it was from Epaphras, this man who uh, heard the gospel at a place called Ephesus, and he was so moved and changed, his life was so changed, he went back to uh, Colossae, his hometown, to start uh, this church, to uh, share the gospel, and a church was formed there. So Paul, Paul also prayed for them, and this is what we're going to look at today, verses 9 through 12. He prayed for them, and we get to kind of hear what he was praying. And I wonder if, if uh, you know, what it would be like if people could hear our prayers. That'd be kind of interesting. Well, God hears them, of course. But what if other people could hear our prayers? And, and Paul kind of, kind of writes his prayer out for us. He was dictating it to somebody to write these things down. And the, the first thing I want to look at today is about God's will. And that's why I have this up here. Uh, you all know the uh, footprints, right? Mm -hmm. I never left you those places with one set of footprints. Well, then I carried you. But how many of us is at that long groove where I dragged you for a while? Okay, you can put the blank one up. You know, the thing about it is, is that God doesn't often force us. Sometimes he, 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 he helps us along, but he won't, he won't go against our will. And what we want to talk about today is God's will versus our will. And, and, and do you ever pray about what God's will is? Do you ever pray, God, what is your will? Paul prayed that they would know it, as we'll see, but it doesn't stop there. Let's look at verse 9. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
he says, we, we heard about what was going on in your lives. We heard about uh, what was happening in their Colossae, but and we began to pray, and we haven't stopped praying. It was something that they kept praying about. Now, have you ever heard someone say, you know, you pray about it once, and that's it. You never need to pray about it again. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? Because it's a lack of faith if you pray about it again. But that's ridiculous. In fact, it's, it's more a show of faith because you are going back and back to the one who can answer that prayer. Paul says, I, you know, we, we haven't stopped praying for you. In Ephesians, he says, we keep asking over and over. We keep praying. We keep coming to God and asking. It's not a lack of faith. It's, it's what God has told us to do. Keep praying. Jesus talked about the one that would keep going back to that judge and bothering him again and again until finally she got what she wanted from him. It's not a lack of faith to pray. And he says, we have not stopped praying. And this is his prayer. The first part of it here is praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. To know what God's will is. That's not a bad thing, right? To know what God's will is. What is God's will? You see, it, it begins with prayer. This is where it begins here. It begins with prayer. And, and he says he asks God to fill them with the knowledge of his will. You know, we, we kind of in this world, we, you know, it's a big subject, isn't it? Guidance. Like, what do I do? What's my next move? What's my next step? What are the, the things that I have to make decisions about? But as believers, we should be like Paul. We should be asking God to show us the way and, and fill us with the knowledge of his will. He wants us to know what it is, as we'll see. Before I became a believer, um, I was trying all kinds of different things, you know. Uh, how many of you heard of I Ching? Some of you, a couple of you. It's a kind of a Chinese uh, religious thing, really, and it's kind of weird. And you, um, you got this book, right, this weird kind of book, and, and then you get, like, I can't even remember all the details. You get this number of pennies. You can either use sticks or pennies, and then you take the pennies, and you shake them all up, and you throw them a, uh, three pennies, I think it is. You can throw them a certain way, and then how those line up, that, te- that tells you how to go and find the answer that you're looking for in this book, the I Ching. I don't want any of you going out and trying to find one of those things right now. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I'm going to find out. All, all it really is about is ka-ching, where they want you to buy the book. The I-ching. I don't know if you know what it means. Or, you know, the big thing about the tea leaves, how they kind of, I never got into that, but, you know, the tea leaves, I guess you can read the tea leaves or have somebody read the things in your palm and tell you what your future is going to be, the horror, horoscopes, you know, uh, that, that some of us still read every day. God deliver you from that. He asks God to, to, to fill them with the knowledge of his will. I think we have to back up a little bit and, and say and ask ourselves, do we really want to know what his will is? Do we want to know what God's will is? Sometimes we do, unless we already know what it is, and we don't want to do it. We don't, we're like that dragon getting dragged. But Paul says in Ephesians, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said, if anyone chooses to do God's will, 
You will find out whether my teaching comes from God. You'll know the doctrine. you know whether it's the truth. But, but the first part, he says, if anybody chooses to do God's will. It's a choice we make. It's a choice. So if you are a Christian, you want to know what God's will is for your life. And, and you know, it, it's, it's a very, very large subject. We're not going to hit every part of it today. But I think the first thing that we know about this from this verse and many other verses is we need to pray. You need to pray. And that's a, that in itself is a form of submission that you're going to pray to God. Okay, God. And even if you think you know what you want to do or what you should do, just still lay it before God. That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus knew he was going to go to the cross, but yet even in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? If there's any other way, but not my will, but yours be done. If Jesus could pray like that, he surrendered and submitted himself to the Father. In the book of Exodus, the people, they went to Moses, you know, and that, that whole thing about where Moses was getting all burned out and everything, and his father-in-law saw that the people are all coming to him, and, the, and his father-in-law said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge when, when all these people stand around you from morning till evening? This is what Moses answered uh, to his father-in-law. He says, because the people come to me to seek God's will. So there were people who wanted to know what God's will was, but Moses just got kind of burned out. And, and, and his father-in-law, that, that's a whole other story. He said, you, need, you can't keep doing this. And I think what we need to understand is first we need to go to God directly. Directly to God first. Number one, go directly to God. Now, is it wrong to go and ask trusted believers, people who are mature in the faith no it's not wrong at all it's a good thing many times that's part of the confirmation but you need to go to God first I read this quote many pray not to find God's will but to get his approval of their own that's interesting do we want him just to put a stamp on um, our will are we really like Jesus saying you know what no yours not mine be done the second thing that helps us in this whole subject of guidance and knowing what God's will is, 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 is definitely the Word of God. And that's why we study the Word of God. That's why we're reading it today. There, in, in this subject, really, there are general principles and there are specific principles. There are general, general things about what God's will is and, and very specific things, right? And in our own lives, too, there's a general direction, but there's also times we need very specific Direction, very specific thing, things uh, to, to help us. His general will and his specific will or, or specific will in certain circumstances, they have to agree together. But I love that verse in Psalm 119 where he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I don't know how many times in the 30-some-odd years that I've been a believer that God has used His Word just to kind of keep me on the right path, to keep me going. When I, when I didn't know what to do, and, and His Word just made it clear, this is the way you're supposed to go. There, there are general principles in the Word of God, 
that make things so very, very clear. And there are also specific scriptures God can use. God can use the general principles of his word, but also he can speak to us, I believe, specifically in certain times through his word. But if you never have the book open, guess what? You're not going to get it. You're not going to. You see, you can say, "God, I I need to know Your will about this," and 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 then you never open His Word. Well, He's He's like, "I'm trying to speak to you," and we're looking for we're looking for that plane to you know drag the banner across the sky, and and we're looking for some kind of miraculous you know intervention, some miraculous word, some kind of thing to happen. And He does do that. He speaks through dreams and visions and all kinds of ways. He can speak. But some things he says, I've already, I've already made that clear, right? Because it's already in the Bible. It's already clear. I want to look at a couple of verses that are very clear, and I'll show you what I mean. Turn to the next book, 1 Thessalonians. You don't have to turn very far to find some examples. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. Look what it says there. It is God's what? Will. will. Okay. So you want to know what God's will is? Well, here's a, a general and a specific, I, I think you can probably say. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the heathen, and, and, and so forth. It's pretty clear what God is saying here. Um, God, you know, you're going to pray and ask God, well, God, is it, is it okay if I, um, you know, spend the night with my girlfriend? Well, it, it, it's very clear here that, that he's saying it's not okay. God's will is God's will, and it's very clear. Sexual immorality, that, that God is, has... Uh, has given this to a man and woman, husband and wife. How about uh, chapter 5, verse 16? These are some tough ones here. They're all tough, uh, depending on how you're looking at it. But look at verse 16 through 18. He says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. These are not suggestions. He says, for this is what? God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, God, um, you know, should I pray? Should I give thanks? Should I be joyful? God, um, you know, this is God's will for you. This is specific and general. How about let's go back to Ephesians, Ephesians the book right before Philippians, two books back from Colossians. Look at one more example here. Ephesians 5, verse 18. We'll start in verse 17 because I already quoted that verse. He says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then he goes on to say, Do not get drunk on wine, instead, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And he goes on and says a few other things there too. You see what I'm saying? If, if we understand what God's word is, we're, we're going to know it's very clear that we shouldn't be getting drunk. It's not his will. 
Don't get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. His will is that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would be uh, following after Him. So, so back in Colossians, uh, talking about the will of God, he's asking God to fill him with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We have to pray. We have God's Word. And then, and then thirdly, uh, circumstances. Circumstances where God is able to put things together that are His will. But how often is it that you and I, we try to bash our way forward? We try to bash our way through and, and be careful that God is able to open and close doors, right? If God opens the door, no man can shut it. If God closes the door, no man can open it. So we tend to be fighting against Him so, so often. It doesn't mean they're not going to be difficult difficulties in this life for us to do God's will. Often, to do God's will, we're, we're fighting against our own selves. Our own flesh is screaming out, no, you should be doing this, and, but you know in your heart and your mind that God's will is that this is what you should do. But He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the spiritual wisdom and the understanding. I was thinking about that. He says that that there would be spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's not necessarily a flesh thing, is it? Though that's where we often operate. We think God's will is what I want, what my flesh wants, what I think I should have. But often it's not like that at all. God's ways are what? They're not our ways. They're higher, right? God's ways are different. So so to, to humble ourselves and to be filled with the knowledge of His will and pray... It's a spiritual thing given to us by the Spirit of God. So Paul prayed they would be filled with this knowledge of His will, and and they wouldn't just be wondering and guessing about it, but they would be filled with it. In other words, God wants us to know. God wants us to understand what His will is. He's not like going to give us a little carrot, a little, uh, you know, a little picture of what it might be. He wants us to know what it is to follow Him and to, to... to live by His will. But it doesn't stop there, does it? Let's look at verse 10. Because God isn't wanting us just to know what His will is. Look at verse 10. It says, And we pray this, what? In order that, or so that, what? You may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every good work. Let's read that again, verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every good, in every way. May please Him in every way. So what does that mean? Is it enough just to know what God's will is? No, what's the next step? To live it, to do it. To know His His will and to live it. Again, you know, I'm I'm just as human as the next person, and the the question always comes to mind, do we really want to know what His will is? Because then we'll be responsible. Well, I knew what it was, but I didn't do it. And so sometimes, you know, we're like the little kid, you know, putting our hands over our ears and and making a lot of noise. I don't want to know what God's will is. I've seen it. I know, you know, when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when you're set to go in a way that is against His way, you're just going to shut yourself off from God because you, you already kind of know 
what his will is, and, and, and you're going to kind of like rebelliously go a different direction. So you have to kind of shut yourself off from what God would, would want and the voice of God and the word of God, prayer, Because if you know, you'll be responsible. Remember when Jesus was sitting around and, and with a bunch of people and he was teaching and they said, your, you know, your family's outside, right? Your mother, your brothers, your sisters, whoever, they're all outside and they want, you know, they want you. Well, in one particular case, they wanted they wanted him all right, but they wanted to kind of uh, take control of him because they thought he was insane. But Jesus looked around in this particular place in Mark 3, and he says, he says these words. He said, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. It wasn't necessarily the family out there. They were, they were not. Later on, many of them would truly come to follow after God. But, but at that point in time, they were nowhere. So he says, those who truly do God's will is my brother and sister and mother. The, this, there's something about, about following and choosing to do what God's will is. That makes you and I related to Jesus. That's incredible. Look at Romans chapter 12, and, and it's a verse that we've heard so many, many times, but, you know, God's Word is, is living and active, and it's just as powerful today as it is the first time we ever read and heard these verses. But look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what? What God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's something about the transformation of our minds. You know, if we're, if we're just completely sold out to the world, we're not really going to kind of get it. But through the transforming, the renewing of our minds, he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is good, is pleasing, and is perfect will. I like the sound of those words. Isn't that where you and I want to live? In his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's where, that's where I want to live. That's where I want to live my life. In uh, back to Colossians. Hello. Back to Colossians chapter one. He says, "We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord." And may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. The third thing I see in these verses is about pleasing him. Number one, knowing his will. This is part of Paul's prayer. Number two, living the life 
living God's will. And number three, pleasing Him. Pleasing Him in every way. I think this is also where we kind of we fight. We have this battle so often. But let me quote to you from some verses where Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we make it our goal to please Him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he said, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as, in fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. He says, we taught you, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. How many of you want to please God? You want to live to please God. But so often we get caught up in pleasing ourselves. I'm living to please me. Or I'm living to please other people. and living to please what the world thinks that I should do and be. But Paul's prayer was that they would live to please God in every way. That you and I may please Him in every way. And, he, and then he gives this list of all these different areas and different things. Do I really want to live to please him or, or just to please myself or please those around me? Paul said in Galatians, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God or am I trying to please men? If he says, listen to this, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If we're trying to please people, trying to please the people around us, he says that I, he said that in his case, he would not be where he is at that moment in time. He would not be a servant of Christ because he would still be trying to do what people want him to do instead of what God wanted him to do. Again, this, how does this relate to our lives? It relates to our lives each and every day. You know, moment by moment, the choices we make each and every day. Are we going to live to please God or, or, or the people around us and, and what the world thinks that we should and shouldn't do? This is Paul's prayer. We think about prayers and, you know, the first things that comes to mind when we think about prayers, right, is, you know, I need to pay the rent, I need to, you know... Get a new car, I need, I need, I need, I want. You know, this is what we think about prayer, but Paul starts with this. He says, no, no. I want you to pray. I want to pray for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. You'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That you would live a life worthy. You know His will so that you would be able to, and you'd be willing to live a life worthy of, of Him. And that you would please Him in every way. That's, that's a prayer, right? That's a prayer. If I were still trying to please men, Paul said, I would not be a servant of Christ. We've got to come to some decisions in our own lives, like who, who is it that I'm going to live for? Am I going to live for me, or am I going to live for them, or am I going to live for him? What, is it, what does it really matter in the end? When we stand before God, you know, what is really going to matter at that moment in time? You know, how happy I made everybody around me, even though it went against what God's will was. Took me in a different direction. Look at the things that, that we read there in, in uh, verses 10, the middle of verse 10 through the beginning of verse 12. Bearing fruit. 
when we're pleasing Him, when we're living in His will and living a life worthy of Him, where He says, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Well, if that could be said, said about us, that's what Paul prayed for them. And, and that's a prayer for us today, isn't it? That's a good prayer for us today. Starts knowing his will, living for him, pleasing him, and, then, and all the things that God wants to do in and through us in our lives. That's what Paul prayed for those believers in Colossae, those, that unimportant place, but it was very important. These are important things, no simple thing. Let's pray together now, shall we? Our gracious Father, we come and we bow our hearts before you, and, and uh, we are kind of humbled to listen in on the prayer that Paul prayed for these people. And, and uh, I believe if he was alive and he heard about us today, he would pray the same thing for us. That we would be filled with all the knowledge of your will, Father, so that we would live a life worthy of you that we would please you in every way. 